This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. John Raz joins us, former Liberal War Room director, and Bill Hutchison, former journalist and now journalism professor over at Seneca, doing double duty this week. Appreciate that. Um, let's start, shall we, with, I guess, you know, it's a question of where is the media going? And um, whether or not this will bug you, I do not know. But Doug Ford and the PCs, I guess, have made their own little Ontario News Now channel. They've got their own Twitter account, and they are, in fact, running these little bits um of what they call their Ontario News. Take a listen. Since his inauguration on June 29th, Premier Ford has been off to the races, literally. The Premier met with Prime Minister Trudeau, Mayor Tory, laid out his agenda during the throne speech, met with Canada's Premiers in New Brunswick, shook hands with Ontario's police college. Okay, so you get a a, a gist of it. It's like a a mock newscast, but telling news from the perspective of the PC party. Now, this is taxpayer paid. I'm not a fan of that. If you want to do your own propaganda, I think you should have to pay for it yourself. Where are you on this, Bill? Stop it. Stop it now. Premier Ford, do not do this. This is not what my tax dollars are, are meant for. This was fine on the campaign trail when the Conservative Party was paying for it. Every, it was well-labeled. It was Conservative Party. And, you know, I voted Conservative. I voted for Doug Ford, but I did not vote for this. This is, this is propaganda. This is a misuse of taxpayers' money, and they should stop it right now. Yeah, I have no issue if a party wants to pay for their own stuff. I, like, if the PC party wants to take it out of their budget and do this kind of stuff, that's fine. But, again, I, I went crazy when I would see the liberals spending money on partisan ads, you know, championing their own things. But, really, I shouldn't have to pay for it, neither should you. Okay, but what about, for instance, the CBC or the BBC? Well, I don't want to pay for that either. <laughs> well, there's a, BBC, no, there's a difference there. BBC is one of the finest news networks in the world, happens to be paid for entirely by the government in Britain to guarantee a nonpartisan neutral source. Although I would argue in this case that uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Ford's station there sort of reminds me of the RT News Network from Russia. And, and maybe we're all listening to, uh, to Mr. Trump a little too much. Maybe uh, this notion of fake news is permeated to a point where you, people say to themselves, well, why not have our own fake news? Because uh, it's problematic for me as well. Well, it's problematic. I mean, look, it's a great way to connect with your listeners, your audience, your base. That's great. No, but there are again- ways of doing that without, without presenting that like that. That is, I mean... For, for Doug Ford to have a Twitter account and say, hey, we, here's what we've been doing, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But when you start putting on something that's supposed to look like a news report and it is clearly very biased, uh, no, that's that's the wrong thing to do. That's the wrong way to go about it. I have a lot of problem with that. It is, though, a very Trumpian thing. I mean, look, the way he it got around, it, right. <laughs> it does not make it right, but it's almost like he started this trend and I'm not sure, you know, there's no question the media is left-leaning. 
Um, and there's no question, you know, the CBC, who you can accuse of shilling. Some of the media, not all. Not all, you know not what? all, but, but some of them are. But look, you but know, look the CBC the average, tends to. The average taxpayer out there is looking at what Doug Ford is doing and, and they're checking off. Yes, he's done this that he said he was going to do. You know, he got rid of cap and trade. He's revising the, the sex ed curriculum. He's doing all the things that he said he was going to do. And yep. a lot of taxpayers are saying, yes, do that. Go ahead. Go ahead. We don't need him to go out there and, and start doing this propaganda sort of stuff. Yeah, I think it's the little stuff like this. This stuff will irritate people. It, it does. You know. And to, to sort of reverse quote you, if Justin Trudeau had created his own television or radio announcements like this, the right <laughs> he doesn't have would to. lose their mind. Right. But again, he doesn't really have to these days. You know, and that's why I think a lot of the debate happens is because he gets such good and favorable coverage from the government, you know, the, the network we all pay for. I think some people say, well, this is the only way you can kind of push back from the other side. But again, I don't want to pay for this crap. But it's so clumsily done. It's badly done. Yeah. And and it's just wrong. And by the way, it wasn't TVO designed to do and serve exactly this audience. But they do it. Well, they do it right, but they also do a private a, a, a mix. No? They're mostly subsidized by the government. They may be subsidized by the government. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are shilling for the government. No, I, I precisely my and point. I think Steve Pake and a lot of the people at TVO do an extraordinary job of being neutral and nonpartisan, even though they're on the shill of the government. I don't think Doug Ford met that litmus with this effort. No. Okay. Let's talk about, um, there is obviously a very big mayoralty competition. A, 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 what do they call those uh, things? Oh, yeah, a campaign. Uh <laughs> brain fart there um and it's uh, the votes coming in the next couple of months mayor john tory has hired someone that we all know a controversial guy but someone he knows very well a guy named nick Cavallis. he happened to run um kelly leach's campaign um you know she's been called alt-right and and, and a lot of people called it like the worst anti-immigrant campaign again he's also had some personal issues but is this a mistake john uh when you're running a mayoral uh, race and he does have some competition from Jennifer Keysmat, but how risky is this? Full disclosure, let's start here. I was John Tory's war room director in the last election. I worked with Nick Cavallis during that effort. Perfect, then you have all the dirt. <laughs> Nick, <laughs> Just kidding. Nick is. Nick is. Uh, and I mean, I suspect he may be listening. Nick is, despite himself, I think one of the finest pollsters in the country. I did not. Uh, endorse, appreciate, or like the messaging that he uh, ran around Leach, and he and I had good conversations personal about that. But this is what I would say about the announcement today. I noticed both today that Nick Kuvalis, who is was the largest vendor to Doug Ford's campaign in the last provincial election, and Warren Kinsella, who was Olivia Chow's war room director for most of the last mayoral election until she let him go, are both working with John Tory. So what has John Tory got? He's got a great bridge to Doug Ford and to the voters of the right. And I'm putting Nick aside. And what's he got in, in Warren? He's Warren's got all those connections to the left. Looks to me like John is building a tent of consensus from the left to the right. What could possibly be a bad idea about that? Yeah, look, there's no question. Um, they're good people, good at what they do. Lots of experience. You're going to get them from both the left and the right. Um, but again, you do draw uh, the risk from your competitors. You know, don't how how long do you think it's going to take until you hear terms like alt right, which is almost laughable when it comes to John Tory? Yeah, that's just it. <laughs> People vote for the candidate, and this is so inside baseball to care about who the campaign that's manager right. is. I think that he could have Vladimir Putin as campaign manager, as Trump did in some people's minds. 
uh, and it wouldn't make any difference to people so long as the strategy is sound and John Tory presents himself well. I don't think it matters who the campaign manager is. I, I bet you if you went out on the street and asked people who was Kathleen Wynne's campaign manager, and he actually was out in front of the cameras on, on several occasions. Well, he called Doug Ford. I know, and that's the, that's the point. Is, yeah. But if you went out in the street and asked 1,000 people, if you got to more than 10 people who could remember his name, sure. I'd be surprised. So I don't think it matters to the average voter who the campaign manager is. But I think it'll it'll be something that the chattering classes will talk about, but I don't know that it's it's you know something that's really going to be resonate with with the average person. I would like to also say Jennifer Keys, Matt, beware. Olivia Chow accused John Tory of being a racist during the last mayoral election. Everyone's accused of being a racist. And la- and she 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 half of her team left as a result of that, and she lost ten points in a week because it was an absurd accusation, and that's where this storyline seems to be going that John is a racist because Nick did this thing for Kelly Leach. I know John Tory. He's no racist. He doesn't endorse racial or identity politics. This is a guy who brings people together. Nick's a very good pollster. That's John's call. And I agree with Bill. Most people will never know these people's names. It's not a story. And if this is what the left are hanging their hat on, they better come up with a new idea. Yeah, but the problem is identity politics plays such a role today. I mean, it's so abused. It's become so weaponized that... Um, it doesn't take much to get that kind of rhetoric flying around. I hope it's at, I hope it's nearing its end. I think it'll be a one or day, two day wonder uh, in the summertime when when the average voter isn't paying attention. Yeah, it is summer. Unless Kabbalah does something that really gets people's attention after Labor Day. Yeah. Okay. Quick break here at eight twenty eight, and when we come back, should a judge be allowed to show emotion? We'll talk about that coming up next, and why are the Feds? pulling back from their cherished carbon tax. We'll talk about that next here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson. This This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is time for Counterpoint. We've got John Maz with us, Bill Hutchinson joining us as well. All right, let's talk a little bit about the liberals. All of a sudden, well, we're using all sorts of different words, but softening, easing, pulling back. Either which way, their beloved carbon tax, they seem to be um, getting cold feet on. Over fears, they say, Bill, that it's uh, not going to be making our businesses very competitive. It's good that they've come up with this now. Yeah, well, duh. (laughs) They've been told this for the last couple of years by every business person out there and, and a lot of other people that this is makes us uncompetitive, mm-hmm. especially when our major competitor is, is in the States and they don't have any carbon taxes. So what they've said essentially is that we realize this is going to make us uncompetitive, so we're not going to make you as uncompetitive, but we're still going to make you a little uncompetitive. Right. That, that and is, how is that How is that, how is that a, a, a step forward? I think you're looking at if this. If you want to get rid of the carbon tax, get rid of the carbon tax. Admit that it was a dumb idea and it's going to oh, hurt our economy. Yeah. I, I couldn't even believe the language they use. The only reason that they're doing this is it makes them uncompetitive politics. at the ballot ballot box. Yes, you know, politics. That's, you know, did they really want to fight an election on carbon taxes? No. So they've got to back it up now. Okay, so now they're going to go to the voter and say, 
this makes businesses uncompetitive and they're important to us, so we're going to cut cut them a break. But you, the average taxpayer, we're still going to hit you hard. No, they're going to go to the voters and talk about anything but this and say we solved that. Yeah, they're going to start talking about getting rid of plastic straws, and that's how we're going to save the environment. That's the big... Or going surfing at Tofino, oh, or yeah. you know, or, or go swimming. But this is their major plank. I mean, we have heard for years how important this was. We couldn't live without it. I mean, it was all about the Paris Accord. This and supposedly created five hundred thousand jobs, according <laughs> to our climate change uh, minister. This is one. This is growing the economy, and suddenly, oh, it's uncompetitive. Yeah. Well, how does that? How does that? Uh, so it, it dawned on me, uh, and not for any other reason, but does this signal to you, John, that maybe behind closed doors they know something about these trade negotiations that we don't? Like maybe they're completely coming undone and they're realizing, oh my God, we've got to rejig our, our mandate now. And if we're not going to get the trade deals, we've got to start scrapping things like the cap and trade and carbon pricing. That may all be true. I have no inside information. Uh, but let's go back to Occam's Razor. The logical explanation is that they went and and did a poll, did a survey and said, we can't win a federal election without an Ontario Liberal government to back us and create these 500,000 jobs with borrowed taxpayers' money. We can't win an election on the basis of the environment and carbon taxes in this frame. And we would like to get elected again. So we'd like to get rid of this issue and move on. So let's do it now in the middle of the summer, pull back, well, make sure that we're making all the right noises, and then let's change the channel. I predict September some But big the money from the carbon tax was always going to be magic money. They were going to give yeah. it all back to people, and yet they were going to use it to create green energy jobs and create all these other jobs and, and build infrastructure. So it was magic money. They could do two things with the, the same dollar. I'm delighted you read my talking points that I read five <laughs> years ago, but I'm absolutely <laughs> but, sure. But certainly they don't think people are that stupid that all of a sudden, you know, you know, that is, they're doing this out of the goodness of their heart. I always love that sentence. Surely they don't think people are that stupid. Ellipse. <laughs> well, they can't, can they? Nonetheless, they've done it. Uh, okay. It used to be a rule in programming television, never underestimate the intelligence, never underestimate the intelligence of a yachty. That's right. But does this signal then, could Doug Ford not theoret- theoretically uh, strike this one as a win in his column, given that, you know, I- I'm not... If he gets rid of the tax altogether, he can claim it as a win. I mean, it's, it's a partial victory, but until you get rid of the carbon tax altogether, it's not a complete win. And, oh, no, I'm sure think- Doug's television station will declare it as a win. <laughs> but uh, as I said, more to come. Let's see what Justin Trudeau has in store for his five-year vision of you I know, think they Canada at the come economy September. and realize our economy is going to be in trouble in 2019, and that means they're going to be in trouble to the polls. Well, that all depends on whether finally Mr. Trump has a heart attack over too many fillets of fish. But I the mean, damage is already... St- I mean, look, we just got news today out of the can makers, whether it be Coca-Cola, Pepsi, um, and now Campbell's. They're all saying, by the way price of things like soup and soda pop are going up because now the we're starting to see the effects of this trade war. And that's not just going to stop because all of a sudden Mr. Trump gets his wits about him. No, and I think they had planned to campaign against uh, Trump in the next election, and, and that's not going to play out because it's going to hurt our economy so much. So much faster. Yeah. To be nonpartisan and fair, I'm not sure that anything, any government, whether it was Justin Trudeau or Stephen Harper was still there, or the ghost of Jack Layton could do in negotiating with the elephant to our south when they decide I they want to disagree do something. I with that. that. I think a mature leader, uh, a, a veteran leader, could have handled it much better. There are a lot of missteps that they made in dealing with Trump. Yes, he is a difficult person to deal with, but you can deal with him if you can understand where he's coming from. If you're a dictator, and if you he's first, not, if he's you not also, difficult. If you also treat the United States as an ally 
and and you don't mock and look down your nose at the at the leader of, of the United States to start with. Yeah, I think a if lot you, of people are looking at it and saying you had the opportunity to get a deal done during G7, and instead you went out and and played politics with it, and you pissed off the the crazy guy. Uh, Bill, I just disagree. I mean, what are we supposed to do? Revere this narcissist? No, you don't revere him. No, you don't revere him. But you you treat him with the respect that the office that he holds uh, demands. You treat the United States as an ally. You don't uh, keep thumbing your nose and, and... well, and poking the bear. Well, we're doing that exa- exactly that. We're letting thousands of his illegal immigrants run the border in Manitoba. Why don't they go through Quebec? It's much nicer in Vermont. I just don't understand their choice of border crossing. No, but he, there was a chance. There was a chance to uh, to do a bilateral agreement with the United States. But Trump they were put so that out there. Mexico. But yeah, we wanted to keep Mexico in the loop. So and now Mexico is having talks with the United States and Canada is on the outside looking in. So how well did that work? And then you and then you go and do stupid things like leaking that that comment that he made about the war of eighteen twelve and burning down the burning down the White House and you leak it to the CNN, which just is going to annoy him no end. You do that right before the G7. And then in the G7, when the Canadian negotiators actually said that Trump was willing to step back on the the sunset clause, and you come out afterwards and say, We won't be bullied. We, you had a win there. If you would just recognize that, instead of trying to play to your to your uh, your domestic audience, if you just said, you know what, we had some very progressive talks here. We actually accomplished something here. You know what, Trump goes away and he doesn't threaten auto tariffs at that point. Not to mention you look like a hero for being able exactly. to, t- to tame the, the Exactly. The you would have looked yeah. like you stood up to Trump yeah. and you actually got a win out of it. Instead, no, they got to play uh, school, ch- school ground uh, uh, politics. Yeah, and I'll, I want to move on to the next one. But uh, and just to say, you know, look, Trump's Trump's going to play games too. He knows that there's an election yeah. underway, so he might push this thing out. But the bottom line is, we can't survive it. They can, we just can't. Uh, a BC judge, a provincial judge, um, was seen to have um, shed some tears during a victim impact statement in a courtroom, and this involved a case of um, sexual assault. And so when I guess one of the victims was making the statement, the judge wept and the defense judge said that this is an interference saying that, you know, you couldn't get a fair sentence. In my in my recollection of any case I've ever covered, I have not seen a judge become emotional. Not because they're not human, but they are generally pretty straight. Can a judge show emotion? Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I've never seen a judge in a case uh, lose it and, and cry in open court. Yeah. I've never let, seen them get. I've seen them get a little emotional in terms of getting frustrated. Sure, but but not I've seen anger for sure. Yeah, but not that kind of emotion. That having been said, I don't know what was said in the impact victim impact statement. Uh, and and judges are human. Uh, you gotta you gotta seriously think that this judge is now going to be very careful in in that sentencing that she does not want to go too far one way yeah. because she doesn't want the appeal and judges do not like to be appealed so i would think the judge is going to be very careful in, in how she sentences this john oh i just feel like you're allowed to cry for anything but argentina <laughs> if you're the prime minister of canada you can <laughs> and you will but nonetheless look I, I they're they're not robots i've certainly seen my share of judges who have uh you know, gotten animated in talking down to to those, and and you know, you always appreciate it. I'm not sure I'd want them crying every day. Look, all kidding aside, I, I suppose the notion here is that in crying you display emotion, and the very reason we pick judges for the jobs they have is these are people who can remain dispassionate and will make a judgment based on the law and the facts. And I think she will ultimately. And there, and then, and and so there's a, I suppose, a subject to that that you couldn't. You couldn't make that judgment, that rational, mm. sound judgment, if you had feelings about 
whatever you were watching. If she were delivering her decision that day, I would question her emotional uh, uh, reaction to it. But I think the fact that she's not going to give the the sentence until the end of the month, I think that she's going to have time to sit down and say, okay, let's let's look at the facts here and, and deal with it. And she's going to be very careful not to leave room for an appeal. And I smell, oh, I smell an appeal. I smell an appeal. Got to leave it there, guys. All right. Thank you to John Mraz and Bill Hutchison for chatting with us tonight. On Point, I'm Alex Pearson, and this is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.